Welcome to D&D Indeed, the Dinner Party Role-Playing Podcast. I'm your host, Dungeon Master James Russell, and I'm all alone today. Uh, <laughs> as uh, you have probably guessed from the description of this episode and the title, uh, this is not a normal episode of uh, D&D or even a normal episode of pre-D&D. Uh, it just so happens that uh, winter 2022, 21-22, uh, has been the, the busiest time for all of us here at D&D and uh, especially uh, James and Chelsea having just gotten married. Congratulations to them. Uh, again, it was a lovely, magical weekend, uh, and I'm so uh, grateful to have been a part of that. Uh, and then Beth and Mike are um, also busy with their own wonderful personal life news. Uh, they just got a, a new addition to their family. They, they welcomed Tuck Lord the dog. Uh, <laughs> there are pictures on, on uh, Twitter. Uh, that Beth has shared of this beautiful little pup uh, that they had the opportunity to add to their family this weekend. Uh, and thus we were unable to uh, record a new episode. Uh, so in lieu of that, um, we will be doing this little Q&A uh, and um, announcement episode. Uh, there, there's some, some exciting news that I'll be sharing later about when uh, we'll be returning for season five, um, how long the prequel series is going to go. Uh, and, uh, exciting, we will be doing a t-shirt giveaway. Uh, our, our friends at Public that, uh, we've been distributing our t-shirts through lately. We'll be, uh, hosting a giveaway for some D&D&D merch. So information about that will be available on our Twitter at D&D&D Uh, speaking of the Twitter, that is where we are getting our questions from today. The Twitter really is the best way to, uh, get new information, uh, about the show. Uh, I'm not the biggest social media person, um, but the Twitter is what is active. Uh, so follow us on Twitter at D&D Pod. That's where you, the most up-to-date news for the show will be, um, right from me. Um, and that's where we got our questions uh, today. I'm going to be answering most of these questions. Uh, there were a few um, that were more player-centric that I got some answers from Mike and Beth. Uh, that I'll cut in here uh, that they were able to record in between playing with their adorable new puppy, um, you know, and work and packing for their move and all the other stuff. But mostly, let's be honest, they're playing with their dog. I would be too. He's amazing. Um, I have met him and it's and it was a pleasure. Nonetheless, uh, we'll cut in some of those answers where appropriate. Uh, and yeah, we'll we'll do a little ad break in the middle, and then we'll we'll talk a little bit about season five. But uh, until then, I'm going to get started with the Twitter questions. Thank you, everybody who sent them in. Um, here we go. Charlotte uh, asks, "How much of Hank's story and what has happened to him since being lost have you, Gressel, worked out for yourself? Do you know what he's like as a person or what he's been up to? I'm dying to get to the bottom of this mystery." Uh, I, I do have, I have, I have Hank worked out as a character. Um, I've been excited for a long time for the team to potentially meet him, uh, and, uh, or however they are able to do that. Um, I kind of know what that story is going to be, or at least what his story was up to this point. Uh, and I'm uh, excited to share that with the rest of the team. Uh, so we'll see if that's something that we uh, get to here in season five. That was kind of the way that we kind of left things off uh, with James's little button on the end of season four was that we'll be uh, more directly looking for him. So 
uh, that is our first little hint at what's uh, coming up for season five is we might get uh, potentially, I don't know, we'll, we'll see how things go. You know, it's still a very improvised show, uh, but um, there is the possibility that we could uh, get some more of that story for sure uh, as they get closer and closer to unraveling the mystery that Charlotte mentions. Shiden asks, will Beth and Mike continue to play both parts after the prequel? Or get a say on what's canon? That's an interesting question. I don't think they'll play both parts when we get back to like the main story. Uh, I think that um, they'll, you know, I, w- I want them to, to focus on playing Marjorie and Fletch and not kind of jump around between people. I think that would that would kind of just be a different vibe from what the main story has been so far. Uh, and the Nils and Gatheria of the like present day, so to speak, um, are, are different people um, than the Nils and Gatheria that Beth and Mike are playing there. Um, you know, they, they've been through a lot in the years since. And uh, I think the, like the way that I play Nils is definitely very different from the way that Mike plays Nils uh, because of that characterization. And I think, you know, there, there's something interesting about them being different performances to me. Uh, so I think that that's probably what we're going to keep. We're going to keep up as far as who's going to be playing them. Uh, but I do think that uh, Beth and Mike will be a little bit more involved uh, in terms of the characterization of Nils and Kateria as um, they appear in the main story going forward. You know, there's there's definitely going to be more of uh, a collaborative kind of work on these characters and how uh, where we take them going forward. I really love what they've been doing with both of them. And that kind of, you know, that's going to depend on what we do with this prequel series and how we, uh, how we continue it or if we continue it in the future. But I do think that, you know, no matter what, uh, what Beth and Mike have done with these characters has, has, uh, has and will continue to influence the way that they are in, uh, the main story. Thank you, uh, Shiden. I hope I'm saying that okay. At is this five zero seven four zero seven eight zero or is this thing on says I feel like you mentioned this while things were getting set up for pre D and D, but is it weird to know that three fourths of the character cannot die during the storyline? Uh, is this thing on? Yeah, it's it's not necessarily weird. I think it's exciting because every time we get into an instance where you know our lives are in risk of, you know, being taken. (laughs) Uh, If we might die, I I always think to myself, oh no, there is no way we can die. So I'm going to have the most fun in this scene that I can. I'll do wacky things. I'll uh, not wacky things, but I'll, you know, I'll stay in the character of Nils uh, and think of what he would do to have fun, just to be overconfident um, and just completely outgoing it's such a departure from Fletch, which I absolutely love. And I love Fletch, but that that was so I get I got when I started playing D and D, I had never played before. That was D and D was my first or D and D and D was my first time playing Dungeons and Dragons ever. And it was on a podcast for everybody to hear. And it was very stressful and scary. And you could hear it in my character. And that's kind of the character I wanted to make was a unsure kind of quieter character who then eventually opens up as I get more familiar with D and D and playing the game with uh, my teammates. And yeah, so with, 
with Nils, I just have as much fun as I can. He's supposed to be fun and goofy and super confident and just looking for adventure. And it's a blast knowing that he can't die. But I, it's not that I feel like I have God mode on. I try to, I try to play it as if it's the, the stakes are there. But ultimately, I know that they're in the story in the future. So I just got to make I got to make him appear as confident and as fun and sure of himself as possible. As a player, it's very freeing. I'm playing two campaigns right now. There's this pre and D&D um, three, if, technically, if you count D&D and D, but that one's on pause. Uh, so pre D&D, D, Jesus. And I'm also playing uh, Diefall Auric ruin campaign on on twitch and that one has some wicked stakes and just recently we did an episode where we all went into like a boss battle with no hp and the the feelings when you're doing that i imagine when you're listening it's a lot of fun but when you're playing it i personally feel really restricted in my choices when i'm afraid to die like i want to be making choices out of fun and love not fear and withholding i want to swing for the fences and do baloney things that of course makes sense within the world and the characters but i don't have a problem certainly with there being no death stakes because it gives us the freedom to play and play bigger and if we make some kind of grand mistake it's a recorded podcast. We could go back and we could make other choices if we need to. We haven't done that yet, but I'm certainly not above it for the sake of entertainment. Anyway, it's sort of a gift to both know that three out of the four characters will continue living. But there's also tragedy in these futures, right? Like something happens to Navia to cause her to be withdrawn and incredibly withdrawn to be a broken person. Majumbo, so far as we know, is dead. Um, and then we know Nils and, and Kat are not having the best time. They're okay. But eh, their kid's missing, you know? Their two daughters were frozen, you know? So there are stakes in this story. That's what I'm trying to say. Even though these characters, most of them are not going to die, stuff that we don't know that is bad is going to happen to them. And we don't know when it's going to happen. Even like me and Mike, we don't know when it's going to happen. We have no idea when Nils is going to lose his arm. We have no idea when Kat's hair is going to change, when she's going to find her Panther. Um, Stuff's happening to her right now. Uh, She's going through a transformation right now. And Gressel sat down with me and he was like, Beth, do you want to know what's happening with Kat? And I told him, no, let me know if I'm playing it in a way that goes against the idea that you have. But I don't, I kind of want to discover the story along with the people who are listening to the show as well. So it's really interesting to play it that way because in part, I'm afraid of being wrong, but also there's an excitement to that. There's a thrill to that. The discovery of the puzzle of who Kat is, who Gressel mostly knows and I'm also adding to is a fun, creative dance that I've never performed before. And it turns out I really enjoy. Just another writer asks, uh, like with the difference in hair color for Cat, is there any other bits of conflicting lore that have come up yet in pre-D&D? Uh, yes, originally the sibling, Katheria's uh, uh, sibling was a uh, brother and I changed it to a, 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 an older sister. Um, 
this story has been marinating and changing for four plus years. And that was just something that's, that's been rubbing me the wrong way since I first, you know, like made it real when we, when we described some more of the backstory for those characters early on in season one. But uh, it's, it's never really felt right to me and I had an opportunity to change it in the prequel series and it's my story and I changed it. Um, hopefully there aren't too many other, uh, inconsistencies like that, but you know, it's, it's a weird medium, this, this, this semi-improvised long form story that we're all telling kind of collaboratively. So, you know, some things get changed and, you know, it's like a, it's an oral storytelling legend. Things, (laughs) things are not, um, a hundred percent right every single time. They're, they're different every time we come out. It's, it's, uh, it's making a dish from, from memory, not, not a recipe. So, you know, I try to keep things as, as consistent as I can, but sometimes things change because I want them to, but there are occasionally mistakes. I'm not going to pretend that there aren't, but I try to keep them as few as, as possible. So, um, and then, you know, they can lead to fun things, the fun ways of, uh, explaining those mistakes through the story, like we're going to do with cat's hair. So, um, you know, they're fun little, uh, it's all an opportunity to improve the story <laughs> as we continue. So thanks, uh, just another writer. I hope uh, may your story be more consistent than mine. <laughs> ben asks, who has been your favorite NPC so far, either in D&D and D or the prequel, both to play uh, and as a character? Um, I loved doing Thran and Cran in season four. They were super fun. They were characters I had you know, been thinking about for a really long time. And, uh, I was really excited to get to, to, to play them, bring them to the group. Um, they were a lot of fun to voice. They were a lot of fun to kind of inhabit because they're so weird. Uh, I, I really liked playing them a lot. Um, but I'm having a lot of fun more than I was ever expecting uh, with Majumbo, I, I think it's just because it's so fun to play with Mike. Like now I understand what James has had for the last few years, um, with, with Fletch and Flack. I, I, he, he's just a, a joy to bounce off of. And that's a really, really fun character that I've, I've enjoyed, uh, in, in an unex, unexpected way. You know, I, I knew that I would like Thran Cran cause I had written those characters and I had, pl- you know, had them for so long and, you know, I was, I, it's one of those things where oh, I know the, I know the players are going to have fun with this, you know, and DMs know what that's like when you, when you have that kind of idea that, you know, your players are going to have fun with. Um, but Majumbo was a surprise. Um, and it was fun to get to, to discover that dynamic, uh, as, as we've gone on. Gross, dude. Sorry. My dog was making licking noises in the background. At Noodle Soup Today asks... After the spider episode, I just need to know that y'all are okay. And the answer is no. No, we're not. Because Gressel set us up to feel the kind of fear that he feels when he thinks about encounters uh, spiders. When he thinks about and encounters spiders. He made them very big and very gross and very stinky and very dangerous. (laughs) I've done this a couple times where I've put in spider monsters. Uh, I, I... Uh, longtime listeners will probably remember that I have an actual true life, uh, intense fear of spiders. Uh, I hate them so much and they scare me a lot, like a lot, a lot, a lot. They, like, I, I do not like spiders at all. So that was, 
Um, definitely, I wanted to have like an intense fight scene for these characters that we we had been having a really goofy time uh, up to that point, you know, and I wanted to, um, you know, do something serious and show the stakes of stuff and really put them through an intense situation. Uh, and I, I thought that the best way to, to up the creepy factor in a, in a fast way, in a way that, that really, um, you know, we could feel it with the characters was with a spider and bugs and stuff like that, because I am actually scared of them. So I knew that me as a bad actor, <laughs> uh, would be able to channel that into the characters. Um, so especially Navia who I've, I've imbued with that same fear of, of arachnids. So, and there will be more spider monsters in the future, I'm sure, uh, because there's something that genuinely terrifies me. So if I'm looking for something that's genuinely terrifying, I'm going to reach for the spiders. Uh, that was a horrible sentence. I hope to never say again. Did it work? Yes. Am I traumatized around spiders? No, admittedly. But, you know, I've spent the last 30 years building up a very thick skin to fantasy storytelling. But when I was in it, I don't like... I don't like little drippy fang stuff over top of me and my friends. No, no. Uh, Alex asks, uh, I was wondering how much of your world is drawn from actual D&D lore compared to your own homebrew. Uh, not much anymore. Uh, almost, almost none um, anymore. When, when we first started, we definitely pulled a lot, obviously, from uh, the, the core rule books and things like that because you know, most of the players didn't have a lot of experience. So we were, we were, I was, I said, you know, read the player's handbook and make a character like, you know, like you do. Um, so there's a lot of things from that, that are just kind of baked in uh, a lot of, you know, like elves not sleeping and like, you know, things like that, that we've latched onto because the players latched onto those early on, um, you know, the basic structure uh, or names of realms, like the Feywild and the Shadowfell, um, the Material Plane, Elemental Planes, things like I've borrowed phrases more than actual lore, I suppose. There's very little that functions the same in my world of D&D and D versus like I'm running Rhyme of the Frostmaiden for some friends. Um, and that's obviously much more like rooted in the lore of D&D. &D. Uh, and that's not really the case for the world of D&D and D. &D. But there's certainly a bunch of, you know, like the basic elements are all there. It, it, it's, but lore, you know, is, is pretty sparse, I would say. Shoveler asks, what level is the party? Uh, in the prequel series, they're level, level seven. Um, and in the main story, I think they're 12 or 13. Um, but they should probably be higher because it's been going for so long. Uh, but we've stop really paying super attention to that. You know, it matters for health points and, you know, what spells you've access to and stuff, but like the leveling up and the achievements and, and that kind of stuff has kind of become less of an important aspect of the story for us. Um, I know that there's certain things that the, in the main story, you know, there's still certain abilities that I want the players to get access to. So when we come back for season five, we'll probably level up to a, a, a pretty significant level um, in the mid teens, uh, and just to give the players access to some, some beefier stuff so that they can have a bigger sandbox to play in, in terms of what they can do. Um, but that's really all I really think about in terms of level. Like, I, you know, I'm not really keeping track of experience anymore. 
um, or, um, you know, milestone achievements or anything to, to like, oh, after we get to this, we'll level up. Um, it's really more about what makes sense for the story at this point, which is a very different way of thinking about leveling up. Um, but that's, that's what we do for this kind of show at this point. We're so deep into it now, you know, I'm thinking more about how, how can we start to, to build to maybe an end uh, of this, this story uh, then how can we keep the character sheets advancing? If that makes sense. What are some of your, this is from spooky pookie. What are some of the food inspirations for season five? Uh, I've been thinking a lot about, um, Mediterranean food, Middle Eastern food, North African food, a lot of those kind of flavors and, uh, ingredients are exciting, uh, to me. So maybe that could kind of give a hint as to potentially where the story might be heading. That kind of cooking, those kind of ingredients are very inspiring to me, uh, or, or have been lately. And, um, hopefully that's something that we'll, we'll be getting to, uh, when we get into season five, more about that, um, coming up. Emily asks, does Navy know why she has wild magic? Are there other people in her family like her? Is this something that might come up in pre and D&D? Also, what is the weirdest thing that has ever happened when she surged? Uh, well, the weirdest thing that ever happened when she surged was um, an event that has been hinted at in the main story, but we don't know much about. Uh, something happened that led her to, um, you know, be significantly affected by the event to such a degree that she had to leave the Order of Galadoy and step down from her role. Uh, she was briefly in charge before um, Amara. Uh, before she became, before Navia became uh, the Woods Witch when we first meet her. So something happened that way that led to that. Uh, when we will reveal exactly what that is, more events, more details of that event, uh, I don't know. Uh, we're having so much fun with these characters in this, in this, uh, this prequel and this, these stories. Um, you know, we're still trying to figure out the best way to continue these stories because. Uh, we probably will not get to that event in in the prequel. Um, you know, the prequel is very compared to the years and years that these characters have lived their lives from when they meet to the events of the main story. You know, there's a lot of adventure there, so we probably will not uh, get to all of them here in in this prequel. But we might we might learn more about her wild magic, about her background. You know, throughout this story, I hope we do. I, I really am enjoying playing the character and getting to know her more. Uh, it's also super fun to play a druid. It's, it's my favorite class. So, uh, I, I'm enjoying getting that opportunity with her. Uh, and this weird kind of homebrew magic, wild magic druid, uh, is, is fun too. Uh, Sean asks, are Yanathan and Morgan the two big bad guys, or is there some other force above them? They are definitely Big bad guys. We know that for sure. Um, from from the end of season four, Morgan certainly fit the the description of a big bad guy. And then Yanathan still looms out there. But as to the ultimate endgame and who was pulling the strings, well, you'll have to keep listening, Sean, to find out. We're going to take a quick break, uh, just do a couple of ads, and then we'll get back and uh, answer some more questions. Uh, about the current series and uh, talk some more about season five. So we're going to do a couple of ads and we'll be right back. Thanks. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to this little Q&A announcement, interlude, whatever you want to call it, uh, episode that we're putting out. Um, It has been a very, very busy time, uh, and we appreciate you bearing with us as we uh, navigate this winter. Gray asks, what has been your favorite part of the prequel so far? Definitely getting to play with Beth and Mike in this different way. Uh, with some different characters uh, telling a different story and trying to kind of uh, explore the way in which we play the game a little bit. Uh, That's been super fun. Uh, Working closer together with them to tell the story uh, in a different way has been really enjoyable. And just getting getting to play with Mike as a player, uh, I said it before, um, has been really, really enjoyable. Beth and I in the main story have had some really great margarine NPC moments you know, so, so, you know, we've, we've been able to kind of connect that way before, but, but getting to play with Mike this way, uh, is, is really, really fun. Um, and, and, you know, scratches a different kind of itch than, than the, the story stuff that we've been able to do with Beth and I have been able to do with, with Marjorie and other NPCs. So, um, that's been really, that's been really great. Um, as far as just like regular, like story beats so far, uh, Mike's made some really great choices, but but the the uh, the choice to to get inside of the worm bus um, was was a really really special uh, improvisation that um, made me laugh for a long time so much that I had to edit it. At J Boo's bag asks, we've talked about our personal comfort foods. What are each of the characters' comfort foods? I love this question. When I think about it. Katheria, I think, would like something elegant and clean, like sea bass on citrusy greens, or like a really refined flavored soup. She's a gorgeous, gorgeous soup girl. No, she's a gorgeous, gorgeous girl who loves soup. I think Katheria is. Which uh, is my addition, because Gressel doesn't like soup. I think? I might be wrong. He might correct me here. If he doesn't correct me, he doesn't like soup. Hey, Gressel jumping in here, recording a new file to say that I do, in fact, love soup. I also seem to remember Gressel not liking hot noodles soup. Uh, gun to my head, my favorite soup ever is probably chicken noodle soup uh, from my mom's recipe. So uh, just have to set the record straight. Big fan of soup here. Soup, not great for dinner parties, uh, in my opinion, uh, but uh, a great, great food. And he's also wrong. So I'm taking his invented character and I am making it so that she loves soup. And Marjorie loves chili. Uh, Amanda says, I love the episodes you've done alone that are backstory slash side story of what's going on with other characters. Will we get more of those? Uh, Yeah, for sure. Uh, I left off the last villain paralogue on a big cliffhanger uh, in, in the way in which... Ryleth 
and his companions experience the the moon blinking out at the kind of mid-season finale of season four. Um, so we will definitely uh, hear more of that story probably when we return for season five or, or leading up to it as a way of kind of getting back into the present day timeline and um, seeing a, a different um, perspective of the world and how the events of season four have impacted it. I think that that's going to be the way that I kind of get us back in. So if you've been waiting to to find out how that story continues, if you're one of the people who has listened to and enjoyed the paralogs, first of all, thank you. Um, and second, uh, we will get back to those when we get back to season five. Uh, that's going to be, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a bigger part of uh, the way the story is told uh, as we turn the corner into um, this next part of the show. Uh, we will get back to those. There will be more of that. If you've tolerated listening to my voice for this 20 minutes and uh, 20 minutes straight and have and want to hear more of it, you will. So, <laughs> so uh, there's there's more of that story still to come. But it's part of the main story. So, you know, it it, it feels kind of odd to dump one in here while we're in like a different timeline. At McCallity underscore says, question of the players. If your character were to die in the next episode, do you have any ideas about a new character? Uh, then they say class, race, personality. Uh, for sure, my next character would be completely outgoing. I'm having so much fun playing Nils. I, I, I just answered this in a previous question, but um, the departure from playing Fletch, who is quiet and reserved and kind of awkward, to playing Nils, who is so much more fun and wild um, and sure of himself. Uh, I, I want to play another character like that, but, you know, maybe maybe a barbarian, like maybe just a, a big guy or... Hmm, I love magic. I mean, when I play Diablo 2, I always play a sorceress, so I might try playing a sorceress then or a sorcerer. I took a long time to think about this one. And... I think I th I feel like and maybe different people have a different opinion about this one but I feel like if Marjorie were to die I would leave the show or at least I would leave the arc of the show that exists right now um I don't know if we'll do another campaign in the future maybe we will maybe we won't we haven't talked about it but if Marjorie were to die it wouldn't feel right to me to just come back in as a new character maybe 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 as her daughter that might be the only exception that i would make cuz like rolling a brand new uh like celestial lizard person doesn't uh, he would have to be like gangbuster silly boy just totally different from what we're doing with Marjorie and what I'm doing with Marjorie. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't think I would. And the only exception would be potentially playing her daughter, which is a storyline that I really want to wrap up. And I don't know how we're going to do it. There's feelers out there. Like there's plot, story plot out there about what's going on with her. Um, presumably her. It's never been like explicitly stated, but like we know, we know it's her. And that could be a potential endgame for the sort of margarine storyline of finding family, passing away, passing of the torch to her daughter, taking up the mantle. That could be really neat. But I don't know. Outside of that, 
I don't think I would be comfortable in this campaign taking a new character. So hopefully she doesn't die soon, because that, that leaves a lot of weight on everybody else's shoulders. She won't. I won't let her. Fletch asks, not, not Fletch Stormdale, different Fletch, at Fletch Makes, asks, do Kiff and Bo know each other from home? Ooh, somebody remembers the early, early seasons, uh, the early, early episodes, the, f- the first episode, I think, with, with Kiff being a merchant originally from Plas Namzarid. This is an interesting question that I'm going to cagely uh, choose to very strategically non-answer and say that uh, if the answer to this will be revealed to listeners, it won't be revealed in this prequel series. That's all I'll say about about Kip's past. At TP132 underscore asks, what has been the most challenging part of playing a character you didn't design? And for me... What does she know? What does she know? I didn't write her backstory, so I don't know what secrets she keeps. I don't know what books she's read. I don't know what she's allowed to be privy to and what she's not allowed to be privy to. I have a lot of conversations with Gressel. I don't know if he keeps them in the episode or not, but I have a lot of conversations with Gressel on Mike where I'm like, does she, has she read that book? Does she know that history, you know? So that's the biggest thing for me is just like, not always being sure where my characters come from. To that question, I would say that when Gressel created or when Gressel wrote up the Nils backstory and I got to read it and, you know, get to see the kind of person Nils is on paper. Um, and then the, the, the most challenging part was trying to figure out, oh my God, so Gressel has this huge idea for this character. How am I going to bring him to life accurately? And... But basically, it was Gressel uh, was he made it so easy to find Nils voice based on his write up and uh, playing off of Majumbo. It, it, it was just so much fun. I, that that session, I will never forget that session, just being so scared one minute and being so relieved and so uh, carefree the next. Uh, it was just great. And a related question from at Nurse Station Nick. For Beth and Mike, what's the hardest part of jumping into new characters after all this time? And what's the funniest part? And the hardest part is what does she fucking know? Also, the character voice. Developing a new character voice was difficult. I don't... I want to... I was going to say I don't think it's very good, but I don't want to say that. I want to be confident. But I'm not, guys. I'm secretly not confident. I chose to play Katheria pretty straight. She's not a very funny character, which is good because everybody else is so funny so she doesn't have a goofy silly voice she has uh uh she's noble and she's like full of dignity so her voice is uh very calm i suppose and refined and she chooses her words carefully and so that's kind of what i was leaning on with character voices but that's been the hardest part for me the hardest part nicholas is gressel wrote us a backstory that we got to read uh, beforehand and reading it was very intimidating because Gressel has this character in his head and I didn't want to let him down. Basically, I just, I didn't want Nils to be some, someone that Gressel didn't imagine in his head. Um, and the most fun in, in my favorite part about Nils is we know in the, in D and D and D he, 
is missing an arm. And so I, I'm trying my best to put in moments uh, where who knows if he's going to lose his arm in this scene, you know? It's just like a fun little game to play. The most fun is playing alongside characters that Gressel is also playing. And I don't think he's the unsung hero of D&D and D by any means. Like we always give him props for all the things that he does. You guys love him. You guys get it. But the way that he plays two dynamically different characters with different backstories, needs, and character relationships, like he flips back and forth between the two of them effortlessly, and he makes it fun for both me and Mike to play with our counterparts, and those counterparts have conversations with each other. That's so hard. And on top of that, these are also characters who don't know everything about the world being played by somebody who does know everything about the world. And that's what a difficult challenge to give yourself, and he's really good at it. I don't think I even understand how much work goes into it, and being able to play sort of the campaign with Gressel as a player, and he's also a DM, because we're kind of doing this thing by the do what's fun rule, I'm not worried at all about him like taking advantage of the systems because he knows what's coming up next. We're just telling a fun story, and it's been a delight to be able to do that in a more party sense with Gressel. Uh, Matt asks us, can you tell us how far we're into the pre and D season? Uh, I love what y'all are doing. You guys rock. Thank you. Uh, do you have any plans for doing another one off with the whole team, like the Durango steel eye adventure? So uh, for the prequel, uh, we have probably uh, about two or three months left of the prequel. However many episodes or sessions that ends up being, uh, we will see. Uh, but that's kind of what we're thinking right now is with the story that I have planned, we're looking at wrapping wrapping it up uh, in late spring, which of course means that come early summer, late spring, early summer, we will return for season five uh, with James and Chelsea, Beth and Mike, uh, everybody back at the table for the main D&D story. Uh, we may, uh, I, I, I got to talk to the team about this, but, uh, we may, when that time comes, uh, do another one off, uh, as a way of getting back into it. I think, uh, last time we did that, it was after we took a big break, uh, for Beth and Mike's wedding and the early pandemic and everything. Um, and I think it was a fun way of kind of knocking the rust off the spurs. So I think we'll probably do something similar uh, when we get everybody back at the table because uh, James and Chelsea have been uh, away from the dice for some time. So uh, we might want to, you know, just uh, just tune things up a little bit before we get back to it. Uh, it won't be those same characters. Uh, it would be new and it wouldn't be the same, you know, one shot story again. Uh, but, uh, we might do another one off just to kind of get everybody back into it. And I think it would be a fun thing to, you know, try out some different, uh, different characters and things for, for James and Chelsea, cause they haven't gotten that opportunity. That's, that's the head, the headline though, is that we have, what I've been saying is that we kind of just finished act one of the, of the, of the prequel. Um, and we'll be getting into season five, uh, late May, early June around then, uh, around Memorial Day, we'll be getting back to uh, the main story. So very exciting. Uh, thank you, Matt, for your question. Emma asks, uh, what's been your favorite dish that you've made for the show? And what would you try and make again? Um, 
recency bias, I suppose, but I loved the cheese board, the charcuterie board that we did recently for the prequel. Uh, that was a really, really special one that turned out amazing, um, better than I really uh, could have hoped. We had an awesome time uh, consuming it, and uh, I really enjoyed putting it together. Um, that's uh, I I recommend that if you if you want to you know don't want to do a full dinner party or a full lunch or anything like that like like a charcuterie board like that for a small group um, is a is a is a great time. We we had a lot of fun with that one. Uh, same with the fondue. The fondue was was a really fun one um, that was really delicious and came out great and and had a, a lot of similar elements to the uh, to the charcuterie board and helped kind of inspire the prequel a little bit. That shared aspect um, that was one of the beginning uh, things about uh, the beginning seeds that germinated into into what became the prequel. So. Um, those stand out right now. Um, and the sushi that we recently had, holy shit. Uh, if you have a, a fishmonger near you or, or, uh, Asian fish market or something where you can get, um, you know, fish for, for sushi that, you know, safe to be consumed raw, uh, do it. And it's so, it was, it was a wonderful time. But as to what would I try and make again, uh, pretty much everything from, from pre- pandemic i would love a, a chance to do again i'm just such a better cook than i was four years ago i mean um there's a couple that i'm happy with that went over really well but like even just like some of the early ones like tacos and stuff like that or the pe- like i've gotten much better at making pizza i uh, you know i'd love a, another run at, at pretty much everything uh just because i know that i could do it better for the team now but uh, I do, I, you know, I stand by a lot of that early food and, um, I know that, that for the most part, the team enjoyed it except the ratatouille. That was a miss. Nobody liked the ratatouille. So <laughs> maybe, maybe I want to try that one again and see if I can get them to enjoy it. At Matt Tizzle nine says, I love pre and D and D and I think it's a great idea. So my question is when you first thought to do it, was it always going to be about Nils and Kat's first adventure together? Or were there going to be other storylines that you had thought about doing like a spinoff about Yannathan could be cool. And I don't know the answer to that because it's a Gressel question, but I will say that recently I was like, Hey Gressel, what if you do a one shot with James and Chelsea pre and D and D or a couple episodes, whatever you guys want to do, where you play two different NPCs from D&D and D doing some other bullshit thing. And because Mike and I really enjoy playing these kind of heavy lore based things, but James and Chelsea really enjoy playing like fuck around tomfoolery ridiculousness, have it be like Gerbert Mertbert's when he first invested in his realty company, what that looked like, you know? Also... I didn't think about this, but Matt Hizzle suggests Yanathan. James A. Janice or Chelsea, frankly, could play Yanathan. So cool. So fun. I get this sense based on what's happening in pre and D&D that Yanathan is sort of uh, a grander villain than we can lampoon in that way. But maybe, maybe once the story's all wrapped up, we can have like a fun fuck around Yanathan episode. I don't know. Uh, I had considered that actually. <laughs> uh, I had considered maybe telling the story, some a part of the story about the twins um, or man, it's weird. Morgan's dead, but didn't really give too much thought to that because I, I want to keep them, you know, the less you kind of know about them, the better a little bit, uh, you know, we'll reveal information piecemeal. 
but uh, it wasn't always a prequel. Originally, we were thinking of um, just doing a kind of break of the main story in general, and everybody would play different characters, and we even kicked around the idea of maybe somebody else taking a turn at DMing. We, we didn't know how long this break would be. Uh, we, were, we originally were just thinking about it as kind of a creative reset. Um, and then it became, you know, pretty clear that uh, James and Chelsea needed more time uh, personally and professionally when it knocked down to then just the three of us. I, I kind of almost jokingly brought up Nils and Katheria. And then once I did, I couldn't stop thinking about that. Um, they're characters I've, you know, been living with for five or six years now. And, and, uh, and it's cool to tell some of that story. So um, once, once that got vocalized, it, it, it was just a matter of time before we nailed out, it, nailed down exactly how we were going to do it. Uh, and we settled on, on this. Um, and I'm really glad that we did and we're able to, to continue to tell a story um, as much as we can through this very, very busy time. Um, so, uh, pr- again, appreciate everybody uh, sticking with it, sticking with us through it. And finally, Richard asks, uh, I want to know what the DM is looking forward to most in the upcoming season. Uh, first and foremost, I'm looking forward to getting back to uh, this, the, the story, the, the main story that D&D&D that we've been telling uh, since 2017. Uh, I'm, I'm so excited to return uh, to those characters and the, the present day, so to speak, uh, world and and go to new places and meet new NPCs and maybe old NPCs uh, and and get to some of the the big story beats that I've had in my head for years uh, and and get them out to to the players and get them out to you uh, the listeners uh, there's there's so much uh, really exciting stuff that that we've got in store I, I you know I, I can't wait to see how the players put their own spin on it and change things and, and, you know, who, what's going to be the next Gerbert Mert Bert moment. You know, I, I can't wait to find out how's the time away going to change the way that, that people play their characters or that, you know, what, what have they been thinking about how the adventure has, has kind of impacted uh, all these characters since last we left them. I mean, the, 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 the season four end of season four was the biggest moment that, that they've, they've dealt with. And, you know, what, what does that mean for them going forward? You know, I think that, that Flack especially changed so much in that last season. Marjorie obviously had a huge, huge moment. Uh, Fletch's journey continues and, and, you know, Zabbis is kind of going to keep on keeping on, but <laughs> that's why we love Zabbis. Uh, so I, I, I can't wait to get back uh, to that and, and see where the story goes as we, as we continue this kind of big, big, um, campaign and and you know potentially start to uh uh see where where it could be you know leading towards um you know there's still a lot of story to tell i'm not making any kind of announcement like that but um you know we are definitely getting to a new uh a new phase of of these these characters journeys and and the story that they're they're living um, really excited for that. There's so much I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to, you know, cooking for everybody again, uh, you know, now that, that we can do that safely and, and, uh, and normally mostly, 
you know, that's, that's all stuff I'm really looking forward to regular releases for, for all of you, uh, back to weekly releases and things. So all things that we're looking forward to for season five, I can't wait. Uh, and, and, uh, again, that is going to be coming, uh, early this, this summer, late, late this spring around Memorial day, uh, the American Memorial day, uh, we will, we will be back for season five. So, um, thank you all for, uh, for listening to this, <laughs> whatever this was, uh, in this crazy busy time. Um, thank you so much for sticking with us, uh, as we, as we, we've done our best to, to keep telling stories for you. Um, that's, that's really what we, what we enjoy doing. Uh, thank you for your questions. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, uh, D and at D and D and D pod, um, for, uh, for all the latest. And if something like this happens again, we'll, we'll tweet about it for sure. So, um, you know, I'm not on the Reddit and, um, you know, I don't really, uh, I'm not really good about Instagram and stuff. Uh, I want to, you know, want to try to do more of that, but, um, I'm just not really a big social media guy, but, uh, the Twitter, uh, is definitely the place to, to follow for all the latest information. So, uh, at D and D and D pod on Twitter, um, thanks to everybody who tweeted questions. Uh, be sure to check out the Twitter also for, uh, the link to our t-shirt contest, uh, that, that will be open. Uh, and for more information about that, uh, there will be, uh, information on the Twitter. So, um, season five coming, uh, this summer, summer 2020, uh, really excited about that. Uh, and, uh, the prequel, uh, up until then, uh, we'll return in a couple weeks with the next episode of that can't wait to get back to telling stories uh uh, again so uh until then uh thanks everybody and uh and do what's fun thanks for listening do what's fun D&D and D is a More Park Media podcast and a Spotify preferred partner. Written and edited by me, James Gressel. D&D and D is performed by James A. Janice, Chelsea Rebecca, Beth Bradloff, and Mike Sigan.